I want you to go with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Familiar passage. Pastor Chad's going to play to help us walk through this rather lengthy passage of Scripture. I, I feel the Holy Spirit reminding me of this. And on the 24th, the week after the 18th, that is the cozy up at home in your pajama service. Now, if you knew how hard I had to work on these ladies, I literally had to arm wrestle Pastor Rhonda and Brooke and Kaylee and Brittany to keep us men from having to wear pajamas to church one Sunday morning because they wanted to do the pajama thing on a Sunday morning. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to be seen in my pajamas and I don't want to see many of you in your pajamas. So you get to, you get to go to church in your pajamas, but that's going to be the following week and then we'll come back on the first Sunday of the year with family dedications and we're going to kick off the new year with a new series, new reading plans, new study guides, new fasting guides. It's, it's, it's going to be great. We're going to be talking about in January our, our holy habits our holy habits that often make the difference in the rest of our year. But today, Matthew chapter 2 says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, but he was born during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking this question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Now, just in case you struggle at times to make connections in the Bible, let me make one for you. These wise men are traveling from the east. This would have been Iraq, Iran, Turkey. <laughs> they would have been coming to this little small land, Canaanite land, Judean land, this, this small city, Jerusalem. And they were asking, where is this newborn king during the reign of an already existing king? <laughs> that would be like um, asking your wife about your other wife or your husband about your other husband. This is, this is controversial. I, I need you to understand this. This is not going to go well. Where is this newborn king of the Jews? Well, we already have a king. We, we, the wise men said, we saw his star as it rose, and we've come here seeking him. We've come here to worship him. Now, side note, this is free. Wise men still seek Jesus. And wise men still worship Jesus. So if you just want to move out of the dumb category today, over into the wise category, you just, just move right over to being a Jesus seeker, a Jesus follower, and it'll change everything about your life. Amen or oh me? Don't come to church to, to spectate. Come to church and participate. Throw your hands up in the air. Wave them around like you don't care. Sing praises to God. Pastor Chad, I'm preaching better than your hallelujah right now, trying to help these people learn to worship. No, I'm just just... Just kidding, just helping you out so you don't have to tell. That'll move you right out of one category into wise men seek and worship Jesus. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard that there's potentially another king, as was everyone in Jerusalem. This was about to upset their whole apple cart, their whole system. He called a meeting, check this out, of the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law and he asked them this private question, where is this Messiah? This Messiah, this Christ child, this promised one had been foretold for decades. 
that's 10 years at a time. For centuries, that's hundreds of years at a time. These people have been looking for God to come in the form of a man as a Messiah, as a Savior, to set up a kingdom, to rule and reign, to bring righteousness and peace and justice on earth. They've been longing for this. They all knew about this. So this king is thinking, my kingdom, my kingship is in jeopardy. Where is, where is this newborn king promised to come from? Well, of course, they're priests, they're teachers of the law, they're scribes, they know. So they tell him what the prophet said. They say, in Bethlehem of Judea, for these prophets said, for you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, you are not the least among all the ruling cities of Judah. For one day a ruler will come from you who will shepherd my people Israel. So that, that, that's kind of poetic. That's kind of illustrative. That, that is not necessarily how we would talk or speak today. It's kind of, it's kind of ideological. What, what this prophet was saying, Isaiah, 700 years before this time, is, is he's writing and he says to the city of Bethlehem in the land of Judea, don't worry that you don't have prominence among all of the other great cities because one day there's a ruler coming out of you that will be the ruler of all the people of Israel. And these teachers and scribes are quoting that, that, that they knew that, that this Messiah is coming from Bethlehem. Coming from Bethlehem. Then Herod called a private meeting with these wise men and he said, just exactly when did this, this star, we call it the North Star, the Christ Star, the Messiah Star, when did this star first appear? Now, how many of you want to go deep for a moment? Yeah. How, many, how, many of you, how many of you want a little bit of meat? And we'll get back to the, to the Christmas store in a moment. I'm going to do my best to explain this, the, the best that I know how. But it's my understanding that if, if you were to take a telescope and, and you were to record video footage, flip it up vertically, and you were to record video footage of the solar system, of our stars in the sky, that you can play that in reverse for not only decades, for not only centuries, but for thousands of years and trace when the North Star would have come into the orbit of the galaxy of the solar system that we live in today. That may not mean anything to you, but that means the stars which God said were given to be guiding to us, to, to be guidelines for us, to, to help us mark days and season, they can trace that back to when the northern star, the Messiah star came into orbit in our solar system and that's how they actually know that Jesus would have been born in September, not December. We don't celebrate Christmas in December to say this is the time that Jesus was born. We celebrate Christmas in December just to commemorate that Jesus was born. <clears throat> he called this meeting and he said, when did this star appear? Go and search 
Bethlehem and look carefully for this child and when you find him come back to me and tell me this is what Herod's front was he said because I too want to worship him how many of you know how this story played out Herod wasn't interested in being a wise man he wasn't interested in truly seeking Jesus he wasn't truly interested in worshiping Jesus he was interested in snuffing out his competition he he wanted to kill this baby so his kingdom could never come into being. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the east began to guide them and it guided them right to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy and they entered the house and they saw this child, this Christ child, this Messiah. They saw him there with his mother, Mary. And check this out, the very first thing they did is they bowed down and they worshiped him. They bowed down and they worshiped this newborn baby. The very next thing that they did, where we're gonna spend a little time today talking practically, coming back to my Pastor Chad's story, is they opened some treasure chest and they gave gifts to him. They gave gifts to him. They gave some very specific gifts. They gave these three gifts. The Bible records for Sydney. They gave gold. They gave frankincense. And they gave myrrh. Has anyone had a child here as of late? Has anyone had a baby here as of late? I'm thinking of you, Chris, and Kaylee over there. It's, I, I know David's here. I, 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 has anyone else had a child? Did, did anybody get any gold? <laughs> did, did anybody get any gold when you had your baby? Did anybody come in the hospital room and fall down? Did somebody say we've been following a star from Turkey, from Iraq, and we finally found him and we're here to worship him? To worship her. No, that, that didn't happen. Did anybody get any frankincense? Does, does anybody even know what frankincense is? I didn't say Frankenstein. That was a television show. Frankincense was, was, was a perfume. It was an ointment. Did anybody get any myrrh? Man, I would love to just take a moment and dive into those. Can, can, we, can we go into some meat again? They gave these three special gifts. These are called the gifts of the wise. These are called the gifts that speak. These wise men had special insight. They knew what they were looking for. They knew who they were looking for before they packed up their gifts, before they packed up their treasures. And they brought gold because this gold was only given because it didn't symbolize an ordinary person. It didn't symbolize a normal human being. It symbolized deity, God. This is God in the flesh. Give him the gold. He Deserves it all. It's his anyways. They brought frankincense because they said, this is the one Isaiah prophesied that would walk in the anointing. He would heal lepers. He will open blinded eyes. He will raise the dead. He will grant eternal life. He is the anointed one. Give him frankincense. And they said, in one day, he'll die not only for the nation, but he'll die for the world. Give him myrrh to embalm his body. If you read this account in other gospels, it, it says that Mary treasured all this in her heart. She knew, she knew that this child was birthed divinely out of the word of God with, without any human relation. She received messages that this child would be raised and be special and that he would be called the son of God, but that he would be cut to pieces and wounded for our transgressions. And, and it would be for the rising and the falling of not only their nation, but all the nations of the world. 
she treasured this in her heart. She knew. Could you imagine what this little 16, 14, 13, 17, 19, 20-year-old girl was thinking when these Eastern men came in and gave these gifts? Check this out. I'm going to show you how wise they were. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. They said, you know what, Bobby? (laughs) I ain't getting the peaceful vibes from Herod over in Jerusalem. I think we're going to go another way so we don't have to tell him where we found Jesus because I don't think his intentions are good. And you know the rest of the story. It's in other gospel accounts. When Herod realized that he had been outsmarted by the wise men who seek and worship Jesus, when he realized he had been outsmarted, he said, two years has gone by. Go to Bethlehem and kill all of the children. Kill all of the children, all of the boys, two years and under. And hopefully in one broad sweep, we can get the one by killing them all. Anybody want a little more meat? One of the prophets said in the Old Testament, 600 years before that even happened, that they heard weeping. The prophet said, as I listened to the Spirit of God, I heard weeping in David's house. I heard heard weeping in the Davidic bloodline. I heard Rachel, the mother of the Jewish people. I heard Rachel weeping because her sons were being slaughtered. They were being massacred to stomp out and to stamp out the Messiah in the world. What kind of connection with God do you have to have to hear something like that 700 years, 600 years before it even takes place? She knew that annihilation, that aborting of children, that murder, that onslaught of anti-Semitism was coming to kill those children. She knew she had the Holy Spirit, same Holy Spirit that can speak to you today, speak to me today, guide us today, help us to avoid dangers and tragedies and struggles and trials and adversities today. So they left and they they went another way because they knew Herod didn't mean them any good. And it says, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Father, today, thank you for your word. Even though it's a familiar passage, it's a Christmas passage, it's, it's one that we often read in a jovial setting or in a joyful season. And there is great joy in this, God, but there's meat in this. There's truth in this. There's wisdom in this. There's correction and guidance for us today in this. And God, we just celebrate the complexity of your word. God, we ask now your anointing that's on your word flow through me beyond my ability to share what you've laid on my heart today for Oaks Church as we go in this Christmas season looking for Christmas. And I ask it all today in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Pastor Chad, thank you so much for hanging with me so long today. Come on, put your hands together one more time for Pastor Chad. Let him know you love him, appreciate him. Back to my conversation with Pastor Chad. I've been waiting to land the reading the passage plain so I could share with you what it is that he said this morning that set me up to share with you what God's laid on my heart. You see, in Scripture, you could kind of simplify every concept that's shared there, just just kind of, just roughly and loosely. You can kind of simplify every scripture that's mentioned, every truth that's ever taught in scripture as from two perspectives, all right? Just just hear me out. You can read a passage, and in that passage, you can read it from earth, men's eyes, back to God in heaven, and that passage makes sense. Sometimes you read passages in the scripture 
from earth, from men's eyes to God, and they don't make sense. But if you'll take that same passage that doesn't make sense from earth to heaven, and you change your perspective from God's eyes in heaven down towards men, you read it from heaven to earth, that passage all of a sudden makes sense. That's because the Bible primarily discusses two different aspects of our relationship with God, the spiritual and the practical. Those things that have been accomplished, Jesus ascending into the heavens, spreading his blood on the atonement, the, 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 the cleansing, uh, uh, the outpouring of the spirit, all of those things happen in the spirit realm. But then so much of the, the overflow of that happened in the natural, the resurrection of the dead, the church being birthed, Pentecostal fires, the church exploding onto the world, moving towards the west, that's in the natural, that's in the practical. Sometimes people get overzealous and they make the scripture all spiritual. And sometimes people get overzealous and they make it all practical. And, and oftentimes what you'll discover is it's a, it's a, it's a tug of war, it's a tension between spirit and, 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 and practical with, with the spirit realm and the natural realm. And you're probably thinking, Pastor John, what are you trying to get to today? I'm just building this up to let you know that God has done some amazing things in the spirit realm. But when God does amazing things in the spirit realm, and we hone in on those things in the spirit realm, they are meant and intended to impact us in the natural. Now, let me take you back to what Pastor Chad said earlier. Pastor Chad said, man, what God's done for me in the spirit, when I get to feeling it, it makes me, I, I can't walk out of here after feeling that spiritually in the Sunday atmosphere of God's presence and keep living the same on Monday. He said, well, maybe you can, but he can't. And that is because what God does in the spirit realm is always meant and intended to impact us in the natural realm. James said, you can talk it or you can walk it. Does anybody remember us talking about all that today? Well, the last several weeks, we, we've kind of focused on a lot of those spiritual truths. And, and what I've discovered is it's very easy at times, if you know the Bible, if you understand Bible doctrine, you can preach spiritual terms and never put emphasis on practical application and never see change in people's lives. And it's, it's just kind of easy. But where the rubber really meets the road is sometimes when we start talking about, yeah, in light of these great spiritual victories, in light of these great spiritual feats, in light of these amazing things that God has done in the spirit realm on behalf of humanity, how does that find practical application in our daily lives? That's where it oftentimes gets a little more tough, or at least it does for me, all right? So today I want to talk to you on this title we've picked looking for Christmas, but I want to talk to you about looking for Christmas with, with some of the aspects that we see in this story. Today I want to talk to you on Generosity Sunday where we're focusing on being generous to other people around us, other people in this community. I want to focus today on looking for Christmas with dot, 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 generosity. Generosity, and, and you're gonna say, well, that doesn't sound very churchy. That doesn't sound very, very spiritual. I, I, I thought I was coming for a spiritual word today. Well, you're gonna get spiritual word, but, but most importantly, we want that spiritual word to have a practical application impact in your life so that during this Christmas season, we remember to be the kind of people that God said he's put us on the potter's wheel to mold us and shape us to be, amen? We're a people that don't only talk the talk, but we talk the talk, and now we're walking the walk. 
So we want to talk today about, about generosity. Now, where I find that, I, I want you to know these, these men would have come from Iraq. They would have come from Babylon. They would have come from Turkey. They would have come from Iran. They would have come out of the east. That would be Islamic, uh, uh, Muslim country today. They would have traveled a long ways. They, they, would have been, they would have been wealthy. Everybody understand that's still a very wealthy part of the world due to the kingdoms there, due to the dynasties there, due to the oil there. They would have traveled all this way to a land that really is a place that you would not have thought highly of. If, if, if you were thinking about, you know, places in town, and I'm not being ugly, I'm just, just, just using this as an illustration, I'm not saying I think this way, it would be like saying, oh, well, well they, didn't, they don't live in this neighborhood, they live in that neighborhood. And we all understand that certain names on certain neighborhoods mean certain things. And we even know that geographically certain sides and parts of town means you live at some social economical level, amen or oh me. I want you to understand that these men were leaving the right side of the tracks. They were leaving a place of prominence. They were leaving a place of prestige, a place of wealth, a place where they had great kings, and they were traveling to the wrong side of the tracks. And I'll just let you fill in the blank of a place around town. They were going to a place that was beneath them and lower than them. They were traveling a great distance, a great journey. And when they got there, what they got there to do was to fall down and to worship a God who had been born as a man, as a baby laying in a manger and the very first thing that we see these wise men doing is giving gifts and we see their generosity and now that's carried over into the Christmas season how many of you like gifts how many of you like gifts I understand it's your anniversary today I understand I understand there's some there's some gifts in tow I understand that last night my, my wife she can't just Tell me I want this. Like, listen, has anybody been to Buff City for a minute? Remember, I'm just talking about generosity, and I'm just talking about these guys who gave gifts, and I'm just talking about why we give gifts in this season and remembering to be generous. And, you know, isn't it easy? Because I'm not saying, hey, give, be generous to the church and give your money. That's not what I'm I'm just talking about you having a heart of generosity that's sacrificial and loving and giving, and you remember why we do it and how we should do it. That's important to be practical like that. I go in Buff City, my wife said, here's what she said, I want this this and that no she said I like anything in Buff City has anybody been to Buff City you have to have an engineering degree from Louisiana Tech to build soap <laughs> bath bombs fish shavers laundry detergent scent balls face scrubs and I had Finley and I had Foster and I had Fisher and they were telling me what she wanted and I was getting six different stories and they all had three different baskets and my phone was ringing and finally some guy came over there and said sir I feel sorry for you let me help you I, I stepped outside and I said baby I'm trying to be generous can you just help me here I love you what do you want this is not the place where you say anything. There, there's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> I'm the guy that'll say, just to get out of the moment, I'll say, just give me one of everything. And then I'll get up there and it'll be $437 and I'll be going, oh my Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Guess I'm going to go with the car wash to help to get that one paid for. <sighs> 
These wise men who came from the east, they came with hearts of generosity. They're they're coming with gifts. They're coming to worship this king, and they give this gift of gold. But, But listen to me. I want you to understand this. They were coming telling us what Christmas is all about. Let's just focus on the word Christmas for a minute. What's Christmas mean to you? It means red and green. It means the 25th of December. It means ugly Christmas sweater parties. It means Christmas trees. It means lots of shopping. It means 17 different people's houses that you haven't been to all year and a bunch of standing around and being awkward and taking photos and just a Hallmark movies galore and there's no radio on the radio station except Christmas. It means all kind of stuff, right? All right, I'm just, just, again, this is a practical message today. This is not a heavenly spiritual message today. This is practicality, learning to be generous during this season. So, so in this time of year, Christmas really means Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's, that's the first word of the compound word Christmas attached to the word mass, M-A-S, which means the joyful celebration of. These guys are looking for the Son of God born into the world. And they weren't doing it begrudgingly because it was complicated at Buff City. They weren't doing it begrudgingly because they were having to go to family members' house they hadn't been to. They weren't doing it begrudgingly because they didn't want to wear an ugly shirt. They said, we are gladly and joyfully here today willing to be generous and to give anything we can give because the real reason we're here is God has become a man and he came to save us and set us free and that's worth celebrating. Even in light of the LSU loss last night. (laughs) No, who who is you wooers? We finna put you in the bayou. No, no, no. Even in light of I didn't get to go deer hunting, even in light of you didn't get to do it, even in light, we're still, we got to remember that the generosity in our spirit during this time of year is because of what we've been given, and it's far greater than any material possession that we have. We just get so earthly focused. We get so worldly minded. We forget our heavenly blessings, our heavenly goodness. Number one, generosity, when we express it, and I'm gonna move through these quickly. I I won't belabor these points today, I promise. Generosity, this, this is a time of the year that we should express generosity. Generosity is a simple act. Generosity is a simple act. Let, let me read you this scripture. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. This is simple. This is practical. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Now, oftentimes when I get ready to share words like this, I don't script out a bunch of notes because I want to hear what the Holy Spirit would say in this season. I got to tell you a very convicting story to me. The other day, I was uh, on my way to do some Christmas shopping. I was uh, going to express some generosity to somebody that I dearly love. And, and, and when I had to pull up at a stop sign, I noticed that there was a, a, a weary traveler, a vagabond, a whatever you want to call it, it was standing there with a sign. And uh, how many of you have been seeing a, a, a lot of those people around town? Those people. Been seeing a lot of those people around town. 
And uh, I, I, I just got to be honest with you. I don't think I even thought about it. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it was malicious. I'm just telling on me. I'm not telling on you. But, but maybe me being vulnerable about me will help you look a little at you. I, 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 I was trying to get up to the light. I didn't even think about it. I was trying to get there. I was trying to make a right turn. And, and, and I felt myself pulling my pickup truck like past the little white line, kind of past it, and I felt myself even turn the tires a little bit as kind of to, to kind of make sure that person wasn't in my line of sight. And I felt myself, before I even knew it, kind of feel my, my shoulder turn, my back turn, because I was so intently focused on, on where I was trying to be, because somehow in my subconscious, in my psyche, I had told myself this was somebody that ought to be out there working, that shouldn't have done drugs, that shouldn't have walked out on his family, that shouldn't have given up, that shouldn't be out there begging for money, that, that there's plenty of opportunity in the land of the free, in the home of the brave, and being out here panhandling during the Christmas season isn't what you need to be doing. And, and I just, I think all of that, can I be real with you, kind of went through my mind, went through my heart, and I turned, and this guy, I kind of looked over in my side mirror, and I saw the guy running towards my truck, and I'm like, oh, and he's holding a poster card sign, and when he got up there, I happened to look at the sign, and he had a big Bible scripture on there. He wasn't panhandling. He wasn't asking for money. He wasn't out there as a deadbeat dad. He was out there trying to spread the gospel message and share gospel news about what this season was all about. And he was standing in the freezing cold and he was giving his Friday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon away sacrificially for God to tell a lost generation that doesn't want God in their lives or Christ in Christmas what the real meaning of the holiday season is. And you know how big I felt? about this big because my generosity in that moment to that person no matter what he was doing with the money no no matter what the act of kindness I would have given to him or given to her or done would have been done with do, do you understand that when we give when we're generous when we are a blessing to other people we're not giving to that person we're not giving to get. We're, we're, we're not giving to manipulate. We're not, we're not giving to win favor. We're, we're giving because the B part of this verse says this is the sacrifice that pleases God. This is what makes you like God. And no matter what they do with what you give, it's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. All you have to do is be generous when God says be generous and your reward is safe, secure, and forever in heaven. So many times we can talk ourselves out of doing the right thing. We can talk ourselves out of doing the right thing because we think we know everything. And the Bible says just one act of generosity, one act of generosity can change somebody's life forever. Change somebody's life forever. Number two, generosity honestly is all about the heart. Generosity is all about the heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 3 says this, if I gave everything I have to the poor and I sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it. I couldn't boast about it, excuse me, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would absolutely be gaining nothing. I'm going to read this one more time since I butchered it the first time. Have mercy on me. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrifice my own body, the King James, New King James says, to be burned at the stake. 
I could boast about it. Did you see what I did? Did you see how much I set up? Did you see how much I served? Did you see how much I gave? Did you see my accounts? Did you see my record? Did you see what our family did? I could boast about it. But the Bible says if I did it and I didn't do it with love in my heart, it means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. See, see when we're generous, it's, it's not about the nickels. It's, it's not about the zeros. It, it's, it's not about the big or the small. It, it's really about our heart. When, and it, it, it takes a heart like God. It takes a heart that's been softened. It takes a heart that's been touched. It takes a heart that's been given to, to turn around and to value others and to value their needs and to value their desires, to value what they need, to so that it takes somebody that's had that in order to give that. Somebody that's received from that. I'll never forget years ago, a pastor that I sat under, he said so many people are clutching and holding on to, 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 to things that mean so little to them. And, and, and if you would just simply open your hand and just be generous in some small capacity, it, it would be a blessing to somebody else that would mean absolutely everything. But the greater gift that it would be to you is it would awaken you to the God in your own life that would radically change every other relationship when you learn to be a generous person instead of a stingy and a selfish, self-centered person. You know, the, the, the world says get all you can and can all you get. <laughs> the Bible says cast your bread upon the waters. <laughs> like, hold on, who do I listen to here? <laughs> Generosity helps us see our own heart, know our own heart. It's like, how many of you really like to, to check the oil on your vehicle? How many of you really like popping the hood? Like, you know, nowadays we just go to the oil change. How many, how many of you really, it's like, it's like, man, when you evaluate your generosity in, in all areas. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time, your agenda. I'm talking about your dreams, your aspirations, your goals. Your, when, when, when we have to do that, not you, we, when we, it's like sticking a spiritual dipstick into our hearts. And many of us don't like doing it because we don't like the level of our generosity in our own hearts. Jesus said, where a man's heart is, there will his wallet be also. You can, you can tell what people are really into by what they give to, what they sow to. And there's many ways to give, many, many ways to sow, many ways to be generous. You know, the, does everybody take a deep breath? There's no offering. This, this is not about tithes, offerings, or kingdom builders, or heart for that. This is about being a generous person. This is about giving more than you take in this holiday season. This is about saying yes to some things that your wife wants you to say yes to that you don't really want to say yes to. I got to tell you, I went to the Balkanville Redneck Parade yesterday. I had the time of my life. I got news for you, Oaks Church. We are putting a float in that bad boy next year. We got to, we, I didn't really want to go. I thought I'll just negotiate. I'll move this pawn here and say yes to this, and then I'll get to move a pawn. I got out there and had a dang good time. I got me an umbrella. I started catching stuff. They threw the craziest things out I've ever seen in my life. Dude, we left with a trash bag. I'll never go to any other parade. Ain't no other parade got anything on that parade. <laughs> I had a blast. This is about not doing it 
with a motive. This is about doing it because we're supposed to be generous people. We're, we're supposed to be sacrificial. We're supposed to be giving. We're supposed to be selfless, not self-centered and selfish. Number three, generosity involves more than just money. I, I, I know I just preached that. Listen, listen to this passage here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, 18, it says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always ready to share with others. What, what, what the apostle Paul is saying here to Timothy is to tell the people in the church of Ephesus that, that using your money to do good is like understood. That's like elementary. That's like, you need me to teach you that? Like, like use your money to do good things. But besides using your money to do good things, find ways to be generous, find ways to do good things, find ways to be, be selfless, find ways to be sacred, find, use your life to be that kind of person. Be that person that when you're coming into the room, people know you're coming to install or to sow or to give more than you're there to take. I love this. Number four, it goes hand in hand. Don't worry, take a deep breath. We're almost done. It's gonna be a short message today. Number four is gonna use the same passage of scripture, but I love this. Generosity teaches us to trust God. I, thank you, Holy Spirit. Woo, I'm ready to share this one. <laughs> Generosity teaches us to, to trust God. Listen to this. Here's what the Apostle Paul actually told Timothy, his son in the faith. <laughs> you know, everybody says, oh, I would love to be the Apostle Paul's son. Oh, I'd have loved to have been Timothy. I'd have, I'd have loved to live in the first century. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have loved to have had a relationship. Listen, if you knew where Timothy was, Paul, they saw a church birth in Ephesus, the, the church that left its first love. It was, it was like the idolatrous seat of the pagan religion of the known world of the goddess Diana. It was, I could take you all into that, into scripture and into meat and, and into, into, into all of the New Testament truths there. I'll get to that someday, but, but he leaves Timothy there and then he tells Timothy things like this. Hey, Timothy, I left you there so that you can tell those people this. But the people that Paul left Timothy there to tell this to are the kind of people that didn't want to hear this and when you told them something they didn't want to hear they didn't just delete you off Facebook they didn't just quit being your friend they didn't even just gossip about you in town or run you down to other people they basically centered around your house as a mob and would pull the stakes out and nail you to them and burn it down and kill your family I mean this was not the kind of place you would have wanted to be telling people a message they didn't want to hear this was a tough job but this is what Paul tells Timothy to tell the people of Ephesus. He said, teach those who are in the city of Ephesus that are rich in this world not to be proud or to never put their faith in their trust in their money, which is so unreliable. We know what Proverbs says. It's got wings. It's like a bird of the air. Today it's here and tomorrow it's gone. It flies away. Their trust should never be in their resources. It should always be in God who gives us all we need for our enjoyment. <laughs> How many of you know people in the city of Ephesus didn't want to hear the message that says there's pleasure in God instead of pleasure in the things you find pleasure in? That, that wasn't an easy message to tell. It's not an easy message to tell today because I personally like to do things. And it's tough for me to reevaluate my heart, stick that dipstick in it and to say, can I find pleasure in God? Can I find pleasure in little? Can I find pleasure in being without or not getting what I want or when I want it so that there can be joy and for fulfillment in my heart? Or is it only when I have and can do? 
Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to abound and I've learned to have little. I can be content in all things. He says, tell them they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. <laughs> Here's the story we were setting after filming the other day in a local restaurant and we were with a young man. He's young. He, he's, 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 he's Christ-like, he, he's godly. He, I mean, I'm just telling you this, if, I, if, you, if your daughter brought this young man home, like you would, as a dad, you'd be like, man, yeah, heck yeah, I'd like my daughter to marry this guy. This guy is a good guy, but let me tell you something. He's young, he's married, he has children, and they are in a tough spot in life. And, and as we listen to it, the, the, the heart that I have or the heart that other people have at the table, you know, this isn't a breakout of 20 and it fixes this problem. This isn't break, spotty Mahomes to write him a check alone for a thousand with no interest that's you know as Christians don't loan people each other money with interest. you know anyways let me get off that that's the Bible says that's wrong anyways we'll leave that alone that's what the world does so so this guy's in a situation that I can't necessarily fix in this moment that I can't necessarily fix in this given situation and my heart just wants to do something to help and the only thing I know to do Linda is to say man this moment this season is meant to help you learn to trust God this thing will build a faith in you. This thing will build a dependency in you. You will learn even though you're casting your bread on the water, even though you're sowing and not reaping, even though you're doing and not seeing, this thing will build a faith in you at another time in your life. When you don't have it, you'll know you can stand strong and confident because you've seen God do it. All of a sudden, Pastor Chad, all of a sudden, I remember 10 years ago having the same conversation. I got to brag on Pastor Chad and his walk, his faith, his journey i never forget, 10 years ago, I went to lunch with a local, very wealthy businessman. And I was telling Pastor Chad about the lunch. You can come now, Pastor Chad. I was telling him about the lunch, and, and I was telling him, the guy was telling me, hey, don't, don't be so, you know, don't be, you don't have to have all that. You're not having to do all that. Make your life simple. It's far more complicated. And Pastor Chad said to me 10 years ago, he said, you know, it's always guys with a lot of money telling people without money, don't be worried about money. That's what he told me 10 years ago. <laughs> And so really when I finished the con am I being too real today? Am I being too practical today? <laughs> so when I, when I, I heard somebody say, keeping it real. Yes, we are. We should have named this sermon this morning, keeping it real. <laughs> so when I finished talking to the young man saying that, because again, $10 wasn't going to fix it. $100 wasn't going to fix it. A $1,000 check loan wasn't going to fix it. But my heart still wanted to do something. So the only thing I knew to do was to just say Man, I'm telling you, you gotta, in this moment, you, you do realize I'm not talking about that young man. You do realize I'm talking about you and your generosity, even when it doesn't make logical sense to be generous. It will build your trust and your dependency on God to make the ends meet, even when it don't make sense that they'll meet. Pastor Chad, he said, he said, I was waiting on him. I was waiting on him to say something like, oh, there he goes again. Oh, you know, it's always people tell. He said, you know what? He said, it's always people. And I went, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. He says, it's always people. And he said, that's been through that, that's living that, that's in that, that can tell us the way of that because they've seen God come through and do it. And in my heart, I went. I didn't look at him. I didn't say no. I ain't looking at him now. I ain't looking at him now. I, I, to, I said, 
That boy's growing in the Lord, growing in his walk with the Lord, growing in his knowledge of the Bible. And, and listen, it's, it's easy, guys. It's easy to study for a week. It's easy to get in the riches of God's Word, mine out nuggets, preach and share things humorously, lovingly, comically that resonate. It's hard to live. It's hard to have a wife and three children. It's, it's hard to have a dream and to sacrifice and to plan a church. It's hard to figure out Christmas and bills and stress. It's, it's, I get it, man. I'm there. You're there. But at the same time, if, if we go looking for Christmas without generosity, the Christmas message is radically changed. It's, it's distorted. It's, it's no longer the it's no longer the Christmas message. You, you can't celebrate God's Son. You can't celebrate the Savior of the world. You can't celebrate your eternal security. You can't celebrate the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can't celebrate a new walk. You can't celebrate a new talk. You can't celebrate deliverance and miracles. You can't celebrate Jesus, Son of God, Savior of the world. You can't celebrate your Savior of your sin, the Redeemer of your soul. Your lily in the valley, your rose of sharing, your bomb again. You can't celebrate that Jesus without saying none of this matters. None of this matters. None of it matters in comparison to you. Number five, and I'm, I'm going to end today. Generosity, being generous is a blessing. Listen to this. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. <clears throat> and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working with your own hands. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do, do you understand what I'm saying there? Here, here, just, just bear with me, and I, I promise I'll quit working on it, working in it, and I, I'll let it alone. We think when we say, put number five back up there, generosity is a blessing, that, oh, it's a blessing to those that we bless. That's, again, that's one-sided. You're looking at it from earth. You, 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 yeah, it is a blessing to the guy that you helped or you gave 20 bucks or you gave a lift or you gave a ride or you said yes to when you really wanted to say no or you rearranged your schedule or you did something. Yeah, it's a blessing. And they may value the blessing or they may misuse the blessing, but that don't make none to you because your blessing is securing God. You didn't do it for them. You did it for Him. But that's not even what the Scripture's saying. I can preach that. The scripture is saying that when you're generous, it does something in you. It, it's, it's more of a blessing to be a giver than it is to walk around and to be a taker than to walk around and be stingy, learn to be selfless, that you can have more joy, you can have more hope, you can love more, you can give more, you can be, you're gonna be a different person than if you walked around always the me monster. Me, 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 me. Me, me, my, 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 I, I. Dude, that'll make you grumpy. That'll make you negative Nancy. That'll make you yucky and ugly. That'll make you mean. That'll make you, that don't make people want to go to your life group. That'll make people don't want to come to your house. That'll make people want to go on a trip with you. That'll make people want to worship your God. That'll make people want to celebrate with you. That'll make people want to hang out with you. That'll make people want to be your friend. 
Jesus said, listen, learn to be a giver. Give, 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 give. Because of what it does in you. What it does in your heart. What it does in your spirit. What it does in your mind. What it does in your marriage. What it does in your family. What it does in your kids. What it does in your grandkids. What it does in your community. What it does in your city. What it does in your state. Man. Man. Father, today, this isn't even meant to be a heavy word. (laughs) I guess it's only heavy because you're messing with something we don't like people messing with. Our agendas, our possessions, our wheels. God, today, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, this, this is just meant to be a message said, hey, Christmas is coming, and I'm looking forward to Christmas, and I refuse to go into it. And be that guy. I refuse to go into it and be that Grinch. I refuse to go into it and be self-centered. I refuse to go in. Ah, this is the time of the year that I celebrate because of who he is. I celebrate because of what he's given. I celebrate because of what I have. I celebrate. I'm going in happy, full of joy, full of love. I celebrate that today. And, and God, today, I want you to help me in this room. Maybe you want to say this right now. I'm making a decision. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to dog your page in the book. I'm about to dog your page in the journal. I'm about to make a decision. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, would say, you know what? Pastor, you have been preaching to me. You know what? I have fallen into that trap. Somehow the world did suck me in. Somehow I did get off line and off course with what the Bible says and what I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to roll and how I'm supposed to be known. And you know what? I'm making a decision today. Holy Spirit, help me now. In light of all that I have, all that I've been given, all that God has done, how many of you right now can celebrate and say God's done a lot for you? How many of you can say you have more than you deserve? How many of you can say God's been very faithful? How many of you can say God has always been on time? How many of you can say today God is good and you feel free and forgiven? And in light of all he's done, I make a decision right now today, I'm going to be a giver. It may not be money. It may not be much. But I'm going to be a giver. I make. I am making a decision today to move out of selfishness and into selflessness. Out of stingy into sowing.